All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Zechariah 4. Uh, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6. Zechariah 4, uh, 1 through 6. <clears throat> and this morning, we've been talking really all month about His way being greater than our way. And uh, this morning is no exception. We're going to talk about how to pray the will of God, how to pray the will of God into our lives, into our circumstances, and into our world. And we talked a little bit about it during the prayer time for Ukraine, but how many of you know we have a responsibility? Like, we have a responsibility to pray for our world and to expect that our prayers are going to be heard and our prayers matter. In fact, one of the phrases that I, I heard when I was a younger uh, studying for ministry was like, we need to pray like we're the only ones praying. And that phrase has kept coming back to me as world situations happen, like what's happening in the Ukraine right now, is like, I have to think to myself, in order for my emotions and my passion uh, to get to the place where I feel like my prayers are being effective and they're important, I have to ask myself, what if I was the only person praying? What if I was the only person inviting the entry of heaven into our world over that situation? That's how I'm going to pray. That's the faith that I'm going to have. That's the expectation that I'm going to have. And I think there is a responsibility as believers that we move beyond simply praying for our needs. And we also look around our world and we pray for the world that God has placed us in. And we believe that our prayers make a difference. And literally, things change when the people of God pray. And when the people of God pray and are in unity, and we pray the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven, we pray his kingdom down into our reality, man, things begin to change. And there's a great responsibility that we have. I don't know if you're like me, but um, I spent way too much time watching the news this week. Uh, I felt in, at certain times like I was glued to the news. Um, I made a mistake, and I wanted to watch the Super Bowl live, and we don't have cable coming into our house, and we, we have an antenna, but it's like <laughs> all the time. Uh, and we, so we never use the antenna. So I, I, I purchased a one-month subscription to YouTube TV, which is basically live TV, except here's the problem. It's on an app, so it's on your phone, and it's on your TV at home, and it's the first time we've had live TV in our home in a long time. And uh, so I did that so I could watch the Super Bowl and a couple of playoff games, and it was $54 a month. I'm planning to cancel it this afternoon uh, because I just, I found myself, like, watching live news, like any, you know, like what, I, what we used to do like during the Iraq war and different things like that where you just, I was glued to the TV. Um, and uh, so I just found myself way too consumed by the news this week. And I really felt convicted. Like how, am I just being informed or am I, am I the kind of person that's going to pray for God to transform? That, that I take up my responsibility and not just get informed because I like to be a person who knows what's going on in the world. Um, and because man, this is, this is crazy what's happening right now. But am I going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of that time, and also invest in petitioning the, the king of the world, right, the creator of the universe, to intervene, to move? And I found myself with just a heightened level of conviction and awareness that I need to be doing both, right? I can't just be a person who consumes information and gets really well informed. I need to be a person who participates with heaven and takes responsibility for the world that I've been placed in to see God come for his will to be done. You know, Jesus said this in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we started the, we've started every Sunday with this verse in Luke 22, 42, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And how many know that's a, that's a powerful statement because he's in the garden. He's facing the cross to come. He's facing rejection. He's facing uh, brutal betrayal uh, from his closest friends, and he's facing the cross, and he's facing taking on the sins of the world. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, Father, for this to happen without the cross, like, I'll take that path. But at the end of the day, not my will, 
but yours be done. And how many know that really needs to be the attitude of our heart when it comes to the kingdom of God? That, Lord, I don't, I don't want my way. I want your way. I want what you want to see happen. So this morning as we talk about how to pray God's will, let's be informed by the fact that even Jesus had to ask that question. Even Jesus was in that place where he's like, I'm wrestling with the will of God, but I'm going to make sure that I stay in alignment with it, with his purpose and his plan. Not my will, but yours be done. But it was still a fight. It was still a fight. So how many of you know, if Jesus had to fight, how many know you're going to have a fight? Like, go ahead and turn to your neighbor. You're going to have a fight on your hands. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them a little bit louder. Like, you're going to have a fight on your hands, right? You're going to have a fight on your hands when it comes to your will. Anybody ever raise a strong-willed child? Okay, well, we've got four. All right. Um, so, no. strong. Yeah, strong-willed, right? When you just have this, like, willpower on the inside to, to do your own thing. All right, Zechariah 4, 1 through 6. Let's read it together. Then the angel who talked with me returned, and he woke me up like someone awakened from a sleep. He asked me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a gold, solid gold lampstand with a bull at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one by the right of the bull and the other is on the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, that's why I asked, what are these, my Lord? Okay, no, it, it, kind of paraphrasing there. No, my Lord, uh, I replied. So he said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And that, how many of you know that's a famous line, right? That's a line that we've, you quote in, uh, when you're praying for something that seems impossible. That's a good solid line from the prophet Zechariah. Not my, not my might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So he sees this picture. I want to show you the picture real quick. Uh, he sees this picture. This is what he describes, right? This is what he sees. He sees two olive trees, and he sees the golden lampstand with a bull on the top, and there's seven lamps with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there were two olive trees. There was one on the right of the side and there was of the bull, and there was one on the left side of the bull. And I asked the angel of the Lord who talked with me, what are these? Like, what is this? What am I seeing? What's this picture? Anybody look at that picture, and you might ask yourself the same question what I'm looking at right now. What, what am I, I mean, it looks like something, but, but what am I seeing? Well, that's Zechariah during this vision, during this time where he sees the Lord and there's a moment where the Lord is speaking to him. It's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at. And I love how the angel responds. It's like, do you not know what these are? You know, and it's like, that's pretty challenging. I think poor Zechariah is like, I don't know what these are, right? Like we all, like anybody seeing that is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but the angel kind of like, you still don't get this, you know? Um, and so don't feel condemned this morning, all right? Zachariah was in the same place as you are, right? I don't know what these are. I don't know what I'm looking at. No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And this is a powerful statement. He's like, this picture is the word that I'm about to tell you. I'm gonna show it to you in a picture, but I'm about to tell you what this is. Here's what you need to know what this is. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So he's saying to Zerubbabel, I want you to look at the picture, look at what you're looking at. Let me tell you what this is. So I'm going to describe this photo to you, okay? You ready? I want you to look at it again, this drawing, this piece of art. I want you to look at it. Here's what this is. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How many of you still want to know? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it's, a, it's an interesting photo, and it's important for us to kind of 
break down what it, what, why does God talk in pictures like this? Why does God speak to Zechariah with an image? And I think sometimes it's easier for us to remember images than words. You know, what do they say? A picture, a picture is a thousand words or whatever. A picture paints a thousand words or painted pictures are a thousand words. Anybody know what that phrase is? All right, a picture is worth a thousand words. Ah, worth a thousand words, all right? I believe that sometimes God speaks in pictures for the simple fact that we would remember. And he says, I'm going to tell you what this picture is. This picture is actually God's word for your life, not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the living God. And there are so many things in our lives, guys, that we will never see accomplished in our own strength, that there's no good idea that's going to get you out of the mess you're in. There's, no, there's not enough self-reflection in the world to get you out of the circumstances you've created for yourself. Uh, sometimes there's not enough money in the world to fix the problems. And you're like, well, I could try. Uh, there's not enough money in the world to fix some of our problems, right? There's relational tension. And it's like, you can't see the way out. You can't see the way forward. And I think God would say the same thing to us that he says throughout scripture, but also to Zechariah, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This picture is the oil of the olive trees going into these bowls, these reservoirs of the lampstands. And those lamps, those bowls from the bowls are seven channels that go to each candlestick. And each candlestick is receiving a steady and consistent supply of the olive oil it needs to burn bright to the world that's around it. He's saying, Zechariah, you're the lampstand. You're the lampstand that needs to burn for the world around you. You're the light that I've called in this situation, in this circumstance. But it's not because it's going to be because you're great. It's not going to be because you have all the answers. It's not going to be your power or your strength. It's going to be because you're connected to the trees that are giving you the olive oil that's needed to burn. It sounds like Jesus' words when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? You better stay connected. I, I've got a life source for you that is bigger than any life source you could come up for come up with on your own. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's like a deep reservoir that keeps us moving forward, not in our own power, but in the power of the strength of the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When I found myself praying over the Ukraine situation this week, I found that what I was praying really was, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, and I don't know, have all the answers. I don't even know how to pray because I read Revelation. It's like there's Gog and there's Magog, and I don't know. This is looking pretty familiar. I don't know. Uh, it seems like this is unfolding, like things are going down. Maybe we could be coming in for a landing here in terms of world history. I don't know what's happening, Lord, but I know that it's not going to be my might. It's not going to be some president's good ideas or some nation's great philosophizing or good thoughts. It's not going to be those things that change circumstance. It's going to be your spirit that intervenes, that delivers, that sets free, that restores. And so that's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that your spirit would come. When, I, when we talk about praying the will of God, uh, the first thing we need to recognize is that we are people who are praying in partnership with the Holy Spirit. That when we pray, it's not just, we're not just making up our own ideas as we go. And we're not just praying our preferences. Be careful. Be careful that your prayers don't always sound like your preferences. Because God's not going to stop your prayers, but you'll miss an aspect of maturity that he has for you. Because oftentimes when I'm just praying my preferences, I'm, I'm treating God like a cosmic Santa Claus. 
right? Like, hey, just do for me, give to me, make it right, because I just don't like, I don't like all this stuff in the news. Just end it, Lord, you know? No, I don't pray my preferences. I pray the kingdom of God. There is a greater kingdom that's happening in our world than any government, than any political structure, than any philosophy or any way of doing life than any worldview. And that's the kingdom of heaven that's trying to gain entry into our world. And God's looking for believers who will take up their responsibility to pray in partnership with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. I'd also encourage you, if you're the, person, if you're the type of person that only prays for your own needs when you need something, I'd encourage there's a, there's a, it's time to level up. You know, there's like a little uh, social media trend, level up, level up, level up, level up, level up. Has anybody seen this? Like, Okay, good. Don't, you know, it's, it's silly. It's silly. Well, time wasters, right? But level up, level up, level up, level up. I wish I had, the, I wish I had a better ability to, to, to rap uh, for you guys, but I, I was born in Auburn, so um, it doesn't work out too well. I've tried many times, but I never quite fit in in the rapping world. Um, although, I, okay, no, it's too much, too much. All right, story for another time. There was a moment. There was a moment in my life where I, I made a pretty big splash in the hip-hop scene. Okay. <laughs> Again, again, um, level up, level up, level up. There is a level up in our prayer life that can happen when we decide to get off of the focus of what we are trying to get out of the deal and we get into the focus that God is up to stuff in our world and he's looking for people who will take up responsibility and ownership to pray his will into the world around us. Look at Luke 24, 49. It says this, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That picture that we just saw is the infilling of that power. It's the reliance and the dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that if we're going to be the kind of people that see God do what can't be done with strength, what can't be done with might, what can't be done with power, we're going to see him move in our lives that in the way that only he can move. It's going to be because we partner with the Holy Spirit and we stay connected to this resource of heaven. And notice it says, stay here. I found that in my life, waiting on God requires more time than I'm often willing to invest. I, I want to I make an admission here. I am not the, I do not have the gift of intercessory prayer. When we use the word intercessory prayer, when we use that word intercessor, first of all, it just already sounds overwhelming to me, okay? Intercessory prayer. And it, I mean, you know, intercessory prayer is absolutely needed. I mean, we need people on their face crying out to God. But for me, when I get to about 20 minutes of prayer, even in my own quiet time, it's like, I'm, I'm coming in for a landing. Like, I'm good. Like, 20 minutes is good, long, solid. That's a lot of prayer for me. And I remember as a young man meeting a guy named... Uh, excuse, uh, Tell, remind me of his name, Lindsay. Leslie Kegel. Uh, I remember meeting a guy named Leslie Kegel. He's the president of a bunch of churches in Sri Lanka, right? And I was a 19-year-old kid on a missions trip in Sri Lanka. And I noticed that in our hotel, uh, he would leave out of a different door in our hotel. Every morning, he'd leave at a different door. And I, so I started, I wonder, why, why does he go out the front door? And uh, I remember talking to him one time, and he's a Sri Lankan, small, tiny little man, uh, but like a sage, wise man. I remember talking, and I said, hey, why do you go, it's just struck up a conversation, why, why do you not come out the front with the rest of us? Why do you meet the bus in the parking lot? You don't come out the front. He's like, you see those news cameras? And I said, yeah. He's like, they're there every morning, right? And he says, yeah. And he said, if they see me, they will come and kill me. <laughs> like he is this religious leader, this spiritual 
giant in Sri Lanka, and a lot of people want him dead. I says, what's the secret to all that God's doing in your life? Like, why is this the way that you are? And he says, every morning I wake up, and I, I pray in my heavenly language for four hours. He said that to me. And I immediately I thought, it's like, I will never do that. Like, that's, a, that's the first thing I thought. Like, he's incredible. Man, that's so, that's so not, that's so not me. And so it's somewhere between zero and four hours every morning is where you and I need to land. <laughs> taking responsibility for our world. And I'll let you determine what that is, but there's got to be a time where, I mean, he's not praying for four hours for his own personal needs. You know, he's not praying for four hours that the, you know, the Lord would uh, give him another car or help him out with something or strengthen his bank accounts or, you know, he's not praying for that. He's praying the will of God into the reality of, of earth. He's saying, God, do what you want to do. Use me. Impact my, the world through me. And I found myself super overwhelmed by that. But I can tell you this week I felt super convicted because the reality is I, I needed to be praying more than I was getting informed. I, it, the, the, the discrepancy was huge. So much information. And then what happens when you're consuming this information about what's going on in your world, especially in days like today, how many emotions start to follow, right? I'm getting angry at everybody. I'm angry at that president and that president and that president and that world leader and that Congress and CPAC. I mean, I'm, I'm angry at everyone. I'm angry at the oil industry. I'm angry at the, you know, I'm angry at everybody. And I was just frustrated. I'm like, somebody needs to change. Not by Matt, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It, if God's looking around the world, would he be able to find at Life Church Roseville enough people who are more interested in petitioning heaven than just being informed by the news? Man, let's be careful that we're just not consumers of content that changes our emotions rather than people who take responsibility and say, God, your will be done in this situation. Acts 1, 4 through 8 says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, again, Jesus speaking, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you pray, you're not praying alone. And you're not praying your own ideas. When you pray the will of God, you are partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit that's already resident in your life to pray the kingdom of God. And listen, it matters. It matters. Next time you hear this lie in your mind and in your heart, like, how do your prayers in Roseville matter when it comes to a situation happening in the Slavic world in Ukraine and Russia? How do your prayers matter? Listen, that's a lie from the enemy that comes into our minds and comes into our hearts to actually keep us from being these spiritual representatives of the kingdom of heaven in our world. That, that there is a, your prayer really does make a difference and it really does matter. Acts 10, 38 says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and, he, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Even Jesus was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So how many of you know if, if he needed to be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I'm looking around the room. So there's some nice people here. Well, you ain't Jesus. Like, I mean, you're not that nice and you're not that kind and you're not that sinless. And you know what? God knows what you did last summer. Like, we, like honestly, like God knows everything. He knows you're not nice. He knows you're not kind. He knows you're not that great. If Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit, 
If he needed the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in our own prayer life, man, our prayers would change if we recognize we're partnering with the Holy Spirit when we pray. And there's a great responsibility and there's great impact that can happen. Pray first and pray always. Can you say that with me? Pray first and pray always. Oftentimes prayer is our last resort, not our first response. So again, for me this week, after, you know, three days, probably five plus hours of consuming the news and switching from channels to see what the latest was and waking up in the morning and see like, do they, you know, did the Russians get them? You know, are they still, what's Zelensky doing? All these different things, like so enraptured with the content of what's happening in real life. Stay informed, yes. But after hours of this, I found myself asking, have I petitioned heaven about this? Or have I just gotten emotional about it? Have I turned the TV off and said, hey, not my will, but yours be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. I know in heaven, there's no war. In heaven, there's no famine. In, in heaven, there's no women and children running for safety, having to flee their homes. In heaven, there's no missiles flying, right? In heaven, that stuff's not happening. So as on earth as it is in heaven, have I taken a moment to do that or am I just invested in the consumption of information? I just feel like as a church family, man, what if we prayed like we were the only ones praying? What if when you watch the news, you prayed the news? What if prayer was your first response and not your last resort? This is true in, our, in my life. All of the time, I find that, the, that when we're dealing with an issue with like one of our kids or when we're dealing with an issue about finances or about decisions we have to make, oftentimes like, oh, well, what does Dave Ramsey say? Anybody ever do that? Like when it comes to finances? I don't ask him about the kids stuff. I don't know his kids. Maybe they're great. Um, what, what would Dave Ramsey do? You know, oh, what does this pastor say? Oh, what does this say? Oh, here's a, here's a book on, you know, uh, mindfulness. Or I, I look to other sources. Man, what if my first response was to go to God in prayer? Say, Lord, here's an issue I'm dealing with. I know the Holy Spirit's inside of me. I know that's that picture, right? That's the picture of the trees and the lampstand, that we have access to a reservoir of strength and insight and power that is not our own. Let's lean into that. Let's see God move in that reality. Look at Romans 8, 26 through 27. And I don't know if you're like me this week, but I found this to be true of my life. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Man, I got when I'm reading Revelation again, when I'm looking at the world, when I'm looking at current events, when I, uh, when I take into consideration the sovereignty of God, and all these different questions start happening in my mind and in my heart. Sometimes I don't know how to pray. Anybody ever find a situation in your own family where you didn't know how to pray? A situation about a job or about a move or about something that needed to change in a relationship and you didn't know how to pray. Lord, are we praying like, you know, sorry to be, are we, are we, are we kind of praying that Putin dies right now, God? Like, what are we praying? Are we praying for, you know, just like that whole, you know, him to end? Like, I don't really feel like that's scriptural. No, I'm not going to. How many of you know we can pray the will of God? Lord, transform his heart. God, change his mind. Lord, stop him in his tracks. Lord, cause a work to happen in Putin that changes him from the inside out. How many know God can do that? How many know there, there, is a, there is a way in which God can move and act and gain entry into our world and into the hearts of man that could change everything in an instant? Man, what if we had that kind of faith and expectation that we could pray world events and believe that God was going to use our prayers to make a difference? I think that's what the early church felt. I think that's why they prayed daily <laughs> and they gave themselves every day to the apostles' doctrine, 
breaking bread together from house to house, pouring over scripture, hearing testimonies, being together, praying over their world because they found themselves in a position in first century Rome where, man, they were under the gun. They were at, on every side, there was conflict. Circumstances were beyond their control. And so what did they do? What did they do? They dove in to the presence of God and they said, God, not our will, but yours be done. And he who searches, uh, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. That's a powerful passage of scripture. I mean, they're all powerful because it's God's word. I know. Sorry, we shouldn't have gotten an argument about that, but I correct myself. Thank you for saying that. Um, see how we do that? It's so, so great. It just flows. Uh, by the way, I used to be a junior high pastor, and I had an eighth grade student that would sit on the front row right here. Um, she's precious. I'll, I'll not tell you her name. It was Maggie. And she would, every time, every time I did, said something, because I was still learning uh, the Bible, <laughs> And I was like 23, and she would just correct me because she was homeschooled and she knew more scripture than I did. Um, no joke. And she just correct me. I was like, you're right, Maggie. Okay, you're right, you're right. You're, yeah. You know, you want to just teach? She's like, no, 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 I'm just here to correct you. It's like, thank you. Thank you for being in eighth grade and having great parents. All right. Listen, I don't know what this sounds like. I don't know, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. Some of us, when we get into a situation where we don't know how to pray, there is a spirit on the inside of us that knows how to pray when we don't know how to pray. That's a big deal. That's how closely the partnership between us and the Holy Spirit should be. That there's a Holy Spirit inside of us, the presence of the living God and he's been praying for us, and he's been interceding for us, and he searches our heart, and he knows what is in God's mind, and he knows what's in our mind, and he wants to pray with us. He wants to inform our prayers. And I don't know what groans like, but I'll I tell you what, there's been a couple of times in my life where I didn't know how to pray. I simply knew how to sit in the presence of God. And for me, groans have never looked like, it doesn't look like that. I mean, sometimes, but not when it comes to prayer. Uh, groans for me have been more like, Jesus, I don't know what to do. Help, Lord, help. Help. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. And sometimes when you're watching the news, especially this week, I bet that's come to your mind. I feel helpless. That's great. Because there's a Holy Spirit who knows how to pray on the inside of you. So just sit in his presence and pray the kingdom of heaven in your world. Take responsibility. Praying it, prayer is trusting that he knows you better than you know you. And then we do this. We pray his plans and not, not ours. We pray his plans and not ours. And this really has to do with the posture of our heart. Look at what the disciples said to Jesus in Luke 11, 1 through 2. Once Jesus was in a certain place saying, praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And I want to finish it in Matthew. Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says, this is how you should pray. So if you're in the room today and you don't know how to pray over a situation, he, he's, he gives us a model. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Man, you don't know how to pray? There's all kinds of scriptures that tell us how to pray. Well, how do I know if I'm praying God's will? Honestly, get real familiar with the word of God because his will is all throughout his word. The more familiar you are with his word, the more familiar you'll be with his will. And in every situation, here's what I know for a fact. God's will is that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. So you don't know how to pray? You could take that one verse and say like, let me, let me tell you what a prayer would look like if I didn't know that verse for this, the people of Roseville. Lord, I just pray for the people of Roseville. Lord, I pray, I know there's a lot of people in Roseville that are going to hell. And Lord, I just pray that, you know, that would happen quickly. And the ones that are going to hell will go to hell, and the ones that are going to heaven will go to heaven. Does that sound like a good prayer right there? That does not sound like a good prayer right there. How do I know that's not a good prayer? By the verse I just quoted, right? It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. How do you know that includes who? Vladimir Putin. Whoa, you, you, just know, you just got informed by scripture how to pray for Vlad. I don't know, his friends call him that. Uh, you just got informed by the word of God how you can pray for him. Lord, I pray for Putin. Lord, you have a plan for his life. Obviously, he doesn't know what it is. He probably has never asked you about it. It's certainly not what he's doing right now. But Lord, you're willing that none should perish. And you say in your word that we should bless those who curse us and do good to those who spitefully use us. And we should pray for our enemies. Lord, I pray, change his heart. Open his eyes. I just use scripture to inform how I pray God's will into my world. And the more scripture that gets into your heart, the more you'll know how to pray. But even when you don't know how, there's a Holy Spirit who searches your heart and searches God's mind and will give you insight into how to pray. It has always been God's idea that his people would pray for the world that he gave him. I'm gonna end with this verse and uh, Chris and the team come on up. We'll close with a song this morning. But I want to end with this verse. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. It's not the traditional healing that we need to see happen in the Ukraine, but how many of you know there's healing that needs to happen right now? There, there's healing that needs to happen over the situation that sets things right, that things are wrong, things are not going in a good way, people are dying. Somebody, you know, Vladimir Putin looked over and said, I want that. And he just rolled the tanks, I want that. No, that's not how we get to live. That's not, how, that's not God's intention for our life. That's not God's perfect plan. That's not God's perfect will. Will he redeem it? Absolutely, he always does. That's because he's so good. But he gets no satisfaction when evil begins to reign in our world. And so what are we to do? There's so many things that we can't control. You can give. You can give to the Red Cross. You can give to other organizations right now. I encourage you to do that. But how you know, this situation is out of your control and it's out of my control. So then what do we do? We take responsibility. We say, my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in the darkness, that there's a real spiritual war. And when I met Jesus, I didn't just get a free pass to heaven, although that's part of it. 
I didn't just get a free pass to heaven. I didn't just get forgiveness of sins. I also became a soldier in the army of God. And with being a soldier and being part of the family, how many know that comes with a level of responsibility? And I think the people of God are supposed to say, I need to take responsibility in the spirit for what's going on in Ukraine. I need to take responsibility for praying and believing and interceding that God would move into our world. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their sins and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Would you?